Weaving a Bright Message of Hope Against Domestic Violence. Article by Elizabeth Lee. Carlow College is hosting an exhibition for the One Million Stars Project as part of the 16 Days of Activism, which runs until Friday the 10th of December. One Million Stars Ireland is a community outreach project working with Amber Women's Refuge in Kilkenny. Each star represents light, hope and solidarity, with installations being held across the region, including Carlow College, to raise awareness about domestic violence. Stars have been weaved by Carlow College students and staff, local school children and through community weaving workshops, amounting to approximately 3,000 stars displayed in the exhibition. The exhibition was organised by Leona Wilson, who is studying social, political and community studies. Leading the first County Carlow exhibition and working with the One Million Stars project has been an incredibly rewarding experience, explained Leona. I am happy to give my time to such a worthy cause, and I believe raising awareness to promote community resilience is vital after the impact COVID has had on everyone. I thank all the star weavers around Carlow for making this happen, as well as Carlow College for supporting the project throughout. Stephanie McDermott, Programme Director for the Social, Political and Community Studies Programme at Carlow College, has been part of the project since its early stages in 2019 and highlighted the importance of supporting community activism. The One Million Stars Project is a collective response to the issue of domestic violence, where people of all ages are playing an important role in responding to women's safety. The Carlow College community know the value of activism in raising awareness of domestic violence and have embraced this project and the opportunity to act in solidarity with people who are in precarious and dangerous situations in relation to their personal safety in the home. The exhibition is displayed in the main building and grounds of Carlow College, supported by Visual and Lennons at Visual. It has also been supported by Touchstone Media, which supplied signage to promote the project. Members of the public are encouraged to visit the college grounds to view the display until Friday the 10th of December. Little Theatre Group gears up for this year's playwriting competition. Article by Suzanne Pender. Carlo Little Theatre has once again created an outlet for the creative process as they gear up for their second international playwriting competition. The group was overwhelmed by the enormous response to their inaugural international one-act playwriting competition last year, with an incredible 254 scripts received from all corners of the world and from places as diverse as Ukraine and India. The competition was recently launched for a second successive year and based on the number of entries so far, it is very likely to eclipse last year's by some margin. The response therefore firmly establishes the competition as an important annual event on the Little Theatre calendar. Once again, the competition is sponsored by TM Maven, a Carlo-based marketing and contact centre company, whose managing director, Mark Craddock, had the original idea of running a new one-act playwriting competition, encouraging the writing of new play material due to the adverse effects on theatres by the COVID-19 pandemic. The competition was also an additional way of celebrating the Society's then 75th anniversary year, as many of their planned commemorative events were curtailed or cancelled due to the pandemic. 
We are delighted at Maven TM to support the arts with this competition with Carlo Little Theatre Society, said Mark. With the number of entries and wide reach of the competition last year, it enabled Carlo Little Theatre Society to find new talent, provide recognition and develop these relationships both locally, nationally and internationally. From our perspective, last year's competition was a fantastic success and we are more than happy to sponsor it again. Last year, after a long and exhaustive shortlisting process involving a panel of nine people, three plays were selected as the finalist, with Tom Misuraka's Rest of the Story taking first prize. Tom, who is based in Los Angeles, commented, I couldn't have been more honoured to have my play produced by them, as well as receiving such a great award. Working with Carlo Little Theatre was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had as a playwright. Thanks to the magic of Zoom, I was welcome to the rehearsals and I couldn't have been more pleased with the result. Entry to the competition is free and this year the prize money has been increased to a total of €1,000. It is hoped that the competition final will culminate in a live reading of the three chosen plays locally in Carlo next February, as opposed to the broadcast of pre-recorded videos which was necessary in 2020 due to the pandemic. Also mirroring last year's competition, audiences will be invited to vote for their first, second and third preferences immediately afterwards, with the public votes contributing one-third of the overall judging score. The competition closes at midnight on Monday the 20th of December, with the three finalists selected for the live readings to be announced on Friday the 4th of February 2022. Speaking about the competition, Carlo Little Theatre President Paul McManus said, We are very proud of the international aspect of the competition, which is enriched by the submissions from all over the globe. However, we would also love to have more local and Irish entries. The opportunity for local writers is fantastic, as well as the generous cash prize to see your new play in a rehearsed reading is a great chance to see it come to life. It's worth pointing out that in addition to the three finalist plays which were performed online last year, we also performed two other plays from the competition at our Autumn One Act series in October. So it's a great opportunity for the further advancement of your work and with your full engagement, said Paul. Full details, entry forms, guidelines and deadlines can be found on Carlo Little Theatre Society website at www.carlolittletheatre.com forward slash competition 2021 to 22. Museum goes back to the future with new website, article by Suzanne Pender. A celebration of the past is embracing the future with the launch of Carlow County Museum's brand new website. The launch of the website coincides with the 48th anniversary of the museum's opening, benefiting the Carlow community and its visitors over almost five decades. The website is an updated version of its predecessor, offering much of the same information but now in a cleaner, modern and easily navigable format, which greatly enhances the user's experience. The new website is the culmination of several months' work by Carlow County Museum's marketing and PR officer Paul Dunn, who worked in close collaboration with an established web development company CDG Brand to redesign, brand and build the site. Speaking at the launch of the new site, Carlow County Museum Chairperson and Mayor of Carlow Councillor Ken Murnane said, 
I'm delighted to see that the continual development of Carlow County Museum is reflected in their fantastic new website, and particularly on a day when we celebrate almost half a century of the museum's existence. I'd encourage everyone to take the time to visit the website, from which you can view the museum's current and past exhibitions, sign up to their newsletter, follow their social media channels, and find out about arranging your next visit. Carlow County Museum's curator Dermot Mulligan and his team plan to continually evolve the website so that it delivers the very latest information on the museum's work in preserving, conserving, documenting and displaying the history of County Carlow. The new website can be visited at www.carlowmuseum.com County's biggest landlord to retrofit its housing stock all council housing stock will have to be brought up to BER standard of B2, councillors were told. The retrofitting of Carlow County Council housing stock came up at the local authority's annual budget meeting. Councillor John Pender said the council was probably the biggest landlord in the county, claiming there are around 2,000 units. Some of the houses are modern, well insulated, some are old, poorly insulated and with poor heating systems. Have we a programme for retrofitting? Director of Services Michael Brennan said the council had drawn down around €500,000 for retrofitting this year. He added that the local authority was working on carrying out a survey of housing stock for a strategic approach to maintenance. Mr Brennan said all houses would have to be brought up to B2 standard. Obviously, it's going to cost money. We are looking at how that will be funded. Government funding or borrowings, he said. Councillor Ken Murnane said that people in receipt of fuel allowance could apply for an 80% SEAI grant and the council could try to utilise this for retrofitting. At this stage it appeared to be a case of crossed wires. As Mr Brennan said, the council could not get involved with people in private properties. We are not in a position to give 20% to anybody in the private sector, said the Director of Services. Frustrated, Councillor Murnane responded, 99% of people on fuel allowance are in social housing. Do you understand that? Straight-talking TD makes a big impression with media students. Article by Kieran Murphy. Many whistleblowers would never have come forward if they had known how they were going to be treated, according to a prominent TD. Fianna Fáil's John McGuinness was speaking about his concern for the plight of whistleblowers who, he says, frequently become victims when they highlight wrongdoings. He was addressing a journalism class at Carlow College recently. Mr McGuinness made particular reference to the Grace case. In 1989, a young woman with a severe intellectual disability was placed in a foster home where she suffered physical and sexual abuse for more than 20 years. On several occasions, her plight was brought to the attention of the HSE, HICWA and the Gardaí, but the authorities failed to intervene. Nothing happened until a whistleblower spoke so often and so loudly that eventually someone listened. It was later revealed that another 46 women in the area were victims of abuse. Mr McGuinness himself is no stranger to straight-talking. He was first elected to the Dáil in 1997 and has held his seat ever since. Last June, he accused Cabinet Ministers of not doing their job properly when it came to managing the pandemic. 
Also referring to COVID-19, he accused Health Minister Stephen Donnelly of bad management. More recently, he described the Grace case as the greatest scandal of our time. With the students, he had a captive audience. Two are already working as journalists. They are studying for a higher diploma in arts in journalism and new media content. Feedback came quickly from the floor with all 15 students throwing questions at the TD. One student asked why wasn't a public forum available if a person saw something wrong in their job and wanted to report it. I would prefer to refer to whistleblowers as concerned citizens who are coming forward telling the truth to make things better for those coming after us. That has not been the experience of concerned citizens, replied the Kilkenny-based TD. Later, he came back to the student's question when he said that new legislation is set to be introduced which will protect whistleblowers. He pointed out that in the Grace case, a whistleblower lost her job when she tried to expose the truth. Mr McGuinness referred to the plight of other whistleblowers and gave a number of examples where individuals came forward and suffered the consequences. Morris McCabe, the ladies in the army who came forward complaining of harassment, bullying, sexual assault and rape, and a lot more. They will tell you that if they had it all back again they would not blow the whistle and would not come forward with the information they had. The minute they do come forward, the civil servants circle the wagons and the person who makes the disclosure becomes the victim, said Mr McGuinness. In the Grace case, the hard-talking TD maintained that it took seven years for the social worker to finally be heard. He said their identity had to remain anonymous to protect Grace. He empathised with the whistleblower. The social workers who came forward in the Grace case, one of them lost her job, stated Mr McGuinness, who reminded the class that the whistleblower went to the High Court to seek justice. That case was settled and it was insisted a confidentiality clause was inserted. As a result, we are never going to learn the full extent of the Grace case. As a result of that, we are never going to be able to really correct the wrongs that were there, maintained Mr McGuinness. What is known is that in 2017, Grace received a settlement package totalling 6.3 million euro. In a more recent development, the State of Commission dealing with the Grace case published its findings revealing a long list of failures. In the journalism course, Mr McGuinness had a captive audience. The age profile of the class ranges from early 20s to mid 60s. Speaking later on behalf of the group, Fanula Hayden said she was delighted they were afforded the opportunity to talk to Mr McGuinness. It was really beneficial. At first hand, it was interesting to have a TD who has been in politics for years and to have the opportunity to interview him ourselves. To be with people who are journalists or who are training to be journalists is always good. To see them bouncing off each other, you get different insights in an interview setting, said Fanula. It was really beneficial and it will help us to up our skill levels, she concluded.